Hello and welcome again to week four of our series on spiritual warfare. I'm A.T. Stoddard, a member here at Jordan Valley Church. This is our segment two in our fourth week where we focus on spiritual warfare against the flesh. In the first segment, we looked at what we mean by the flesh, that it has to do with our heart and the nature of our heart, and that we all are born with a sinful nature that inclines us toward sin. In this segment, we're going to be focusing on putting sin to death, what we mean by that, what it looks like, and with this, I'm going to be looking at a lot of the material from a man named John Owen. John Owen was one of the principal theologians of the Puritan era uh, during the Reformation in England and in the 1600s. He wrote volumes of material, but several good things he wrote had to do with sin and temptation and putting sin to death. We're going to look at it, uh, as he called it, mortifying sin or putting sin to death. The mortification, meaning putting it to death. And as we look at this, we understand, first of all, that Satan uses the world to bring us temptation. There are so many things in the world around us, and they can impact our mind. We see things, we hear things, and that nature in our heart can then yield to that temptation. And what we want to do is battle that and put to death that sin in our lives. And in spiritual warfare, uh, we heard in the, the first week that we really don't know where that attack may be coming from. We heard about the battle space as opposed to the battlefield. In spiritual warfare, the front lines may occasionally be obvious, but in most cases they are not. It is in the world around us, it's the things we see every day, and in particular, we do not know where that attack may come from at any moment. And so we need to be prepared, uh, we need to understand that battle space and how we address those attacks as they come. And it, it reminds me of uh, from really what started with uh, in Vietnam and the Vietnam War and more recently in the Middle East and Iraq and Afghanistan, that the significant use of booby traps where booby traps of various kinds would be set to trap soldiers. Uh, in Vietnam, a lot of them um, injured and maimed the soldiers. In the uh, wars more recently in the Middle East, we have the improvised explosive devices, which unsuspecting soldiers can come across, and, um, and then they explode. And so the attack can come from any direction. It can be at any point. And so we no longer, have, in that picture of warfare, have well-defined battle lines that we can identify. We are in the midst of that battle space and the attack can come from any direction at any moment. And where that starts to come is in the area of temptation. 
first of all, temptation and sin result from moral decay. We can experience our own personal moral decay. We're going to look at 10 ways in which we can possibly suffer that moral decay. So first of all is just negligence of God's grace. In Isaiah chapter 17, verse 10, it says, You have forgotten God your Savior. If we start to forget God and, and particularly forget his grace in our lives, that will lead to moral decay, which opens that door then for temptation. And with temptation, then sin comes upon us. Secondly, just a loss of reverence for God. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. If we lose that reverence for God, for who he is, again, we start to lose that foundation for our morals and and head toward decay. This loss of simplicity of the gospel. It is tempting and part of our nature to want to invent extra things, to have foolish speculations and opinions and develop things that really turn us away from the gospel rather than keeping us focused on the gospel message of what Jesus has done for us. And as we lose that simplicity and understanding of the gospel, all those other things can cause us to lose faith and understanding and lead toward, again, moral decay. Certainly, lack of vigilance against Satan. We need to be aware and focused on the world around us and know where those temptations may come from so that we can recognize them as early as possible. Soldiers in the Middle East were trained to look for signs of what might be an improvised explosive device so that they could detect them in advance. And we need to be doing the same thing. We need to be vigilant against those possible attacks. Another one I think is interesting, just the imitation of poor examples of professing Christians. Christians are not perfect. And some Christians will live lives that serve as poor examples for us. And so we need to avoid following those. Uh, Jerry Bridges, and we're going to look at some of his work in the the next segment, but he wrote a number of books, one of which included a, a book titled Respectable Sins. And he lists out, and we'll we'll look at some of these, but there are a number of sins that we kind of move towards accepting and they become respectable in our lives. And that can come from influence of others who have these sins in their lives, they're not dealing with them, and they serve as poor examples for us. Certainly, uh, another one, number six, enjoyment of some secret lust in the heart. When we harbor those things, then they can lead to moral decay within our lives. Another one is just negligence of private communion with God. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray and make a big show of it. He says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father, don't make a big scene. But the point being, having that private, personal communication with God, being in close relationship, we lose that, Again, we lose our moral foundation. 
The eighth is just increase of knowledge without practice. We can know many things. We learn. And yet, uh, in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul wrote, says, Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So knowledge by itself is not enough. As we learn, we need to be putting things into practice. Another is growth in worldly wisdom. The more we focus on trusting the things in the world around us, then being focused on what God teaches us through his word, again, can lead to that moral decay in our lives. And then the last one, just failure to repent of some great sin. If we have committed great sins in our lives, we need to be repenting from those. And Psalm 32 points this out. It says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And so as we fail to confess those sins and repent of them, they work away on us and they lead to that moral decay which opens the door greater for temptation and then sin. And so what we need to be doing is putting sin to death. Paul addressed this in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. He wrote, if, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And in Colossians 3, he gives us this message again. He says, Beginning in verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And I think that last portion there, verses 9 and, and particularly 10, where it talks about you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have now put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So that new self is what we are in Christ. We are a new creation, and we are growing and being transformed into the image of Christ. But at the same time, we still have the remains of that sinful nature, which wages war against us within our flesh. And we need to put that sinful nature to death so that we may grow in righteousness to become more like Christ. So there are several things that John Owen said about the, the characteristics of mortification of sin. First of all, it, it is mentioned multiple times in the New Testament. It talks about putting sin to death. We have to understand, though, that that does not mean a complete and final elimination of sin. We will never achieve that in this life. 
but we recognize it is there and we are going to be doing battle and putting it to death. It's not pretending that the sin is removed. We still sin. It will be there. But Owen said, mortifying or putting sin to death means that there is a, an habitual weakening of sin in our lives, that there is a constant fight and contention against sin we don't let it run rampant in our lives, but we are continually fighting against it. And that then there are frequent successes against sin. And so we should recognize those. And, and so as we move toward putting that sin to death, we can see that it is going to be weakened. It's going to be a constant fight, but there will be successes. And just a quote from John Owen. He said, sin also carries on its war by entangling the affections and drawing them into an alliance against the mind. Grace may be enthroned in the mind, but if sin controls the affections, it has seized a fort from which it will continually assault the soul. Hence, as we shall see, mortification is chiefly directed to take place upon the affections. So that was John Owen. And he goes on and tells us that there really are only two directions for putting sin to death. First is trusting in the sufficiency of Christ. Second is to seek the Holy Spirit. And so in our next segment this week, we're going to look more specifically at how we do that. How do we exercise trust in the sufficiency of Christ, relying on the Holy Spirit and applying that in our life. So we will be looking at the, some disciplines of grace for trust and reliance on the Holy Spirit.